Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Brandy Hooker-Evans. Brandy is an experienced team trainer, motivational speaker, and continued education provider. In 2014, she founded Stellar Outcomes LLC and has brought her speaking and coaching to dental practices and large speaking venues all over the country. She's worked in the dental field since 2007, so you know she knows what she's talking about here. Today, she is our guest on the Financial Flossing Podcast. Brandy, welcome to the show. Hey, Ross, I am so excited to join you. This is randomly, as a dental hygiene clinician, one of my favorite things to do is the business end of dentistry. Wow, that's really, really cool. So you started in dentistry in 2007. How did you get into the dental field? What happened? Well, my uncle was my dentist growing up, and I always had so much fun going to the dentist. I always got to stay the night at my grandma's. My auntie was the receptionist slash assistant in a teeny tiny town out in the country. And um, I just thought, well, what else would I do with my life besides become a dental hygienist? And so here I am many, many years later in the thick of all things dental. So fast forward for us, kind of your career, you started out as a hygienist, but that didn't last very long. Uh, You saw some challenges, you were very proactive in addressing them. And now not many years later, you started a consulting business. So kind of walk us through that timeline and what happened. Yeah. So I really loved my patients and I was the only hygienist in a small practice for quite a long time. So I had patients that were only my patients for many, many years. And I felt like the best thing I could do for them was to take great care of them. And in my opinion, that included saving them time and money, which I later found out equaled sweeping disease at its early stages under the rug and waiting to treat it until it was much more complicated, much less effective. And ongoingly more expensive, not only from a dental, but also a total body health standpoint. So in my process of being a clinical dental hygienist, I went on a journey of, okay, well, what what can I do differently to help serve my patients better? In that process, I learned that recognizing and treating disease early not only helped me have a better day, but my patients got healthier and so did the practice bottom line. So I feel like to whom much is given, much is expected. And I decided I had to share this information to make everyone else's lives better. And ultimately all of our patients, it's time for them to get healthier. All right. So let's step back for a second. Obviously this is a podcast for dentists, but there are some non-dentists or maybe some dental school students who haven't gotten to this part of the program yet, let's talk about disease for a second. When you say disease, what are you speaking about specifically? So periodontitis or gum disease is rampant in our population. 
47.2% of adult Americans have mild, moderate, or advanced bone loss. At age 65, that number jumps to 70.1%. The research shows that a clinical dental hygienist, even the best of the best, is most effective whenever the gum tissue is healthy. And then the less healthy, the deeper the pockets in the periodontal disease, the more bone loss that has occurred, the less effective our treatment becomes and the harder it is to manage inflammation. So what we now know is that the inflammation in our mouth causes the rest of our body to experience the negative side effects of the immune system having to work on an infection. All of that to say, before the patients have bone loss, they have gingivitis, which over 80% of the American population has active infection at the gingivitis level in their mouth. So as dental hygienists and dentists, it's our job to diagnose and recognize that disease so that we can help the patients mitigate the effects, both cost in their time and money and their long-term health. So if I'm a dentist or a dental school or dental school student, then the reason I want to know about gum disease is because my patients are going to come see me and need help with it. It'll be a mainstay in my daily practice. And the more we can get educated and effectively help our patients, the healthier our patients will be, the healthier our practice will be, and the more we're going to enjoy our profession because we'll feel like we're making a true difference. So why is gum disease so bad in the United States? Does it have a lot to do with diet? Yeah, it's very multifactorial and there's a low level of dental knowledge. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that they're in trouble from their dentist or the dental hygienist for not flossing. Well, if your patient thinks they're in trouble for not flossing, they've missed the boat, right? And by they've missed the boat, I mean, we've missed the boat because we haven't told them what they need to know to actually get healthy. Right. If we can get the patient to realize that those bleeding gums are an infection, then we can have a much more effective conversation that also inspires the patients to do something about that infection, not just show up in six months and prepare for the Charlie Brown teacher finger wagging, you're in big trouble, you got a floss more conversation. And so we talked a little bit about this prior uh, before we, before you on the podcast is, is that, you know, let's suppose that you said, Hey, to really deal with this disease issue, you need to have this treatment. It costs X dollars. Now, Dealing with that early on may cost more, but it's dramatically more effective than the, when the disease is further along, correct? Exactly. And, and so I was using an analogy uh, off, offline before we press the record button. It's like, it's like, it's almost like buying a, a piece of furniture at Walmart. We all know it's particle board. We all know it's not going to last versus spending five, six, seven, eight times more for a piece of quality furniture that is going to last a long time. So while the, the Walmart may be cheaper today, over the long haul, Walmart's going to cost a lot more. And so it's about spending money on value. Right. And making the modification and transformation 
needed to protect that investment. So for example, you buy the furniture out Walmart and you bring it home. And let's say you have a couple of kids and you're like, here's a chair. And the kids are like, Woohoo! and they eat pizza on the chair and they jump on the chair and they open the chair up and the one kid's on one side and one kid's on the other and they're bouncing back and forth and like just doing everything they can to destroy the chair. Because, because I have five kids and that's exactly what happens. Amen. I've got four. They're big now. So they're, well, I'll take that back. Some of them still want to jump on the chair. But so we t- we have this investment and it doesn't mean very much to us because it didn't cost very much. And we'll just, you know, do it again. We'll replace it again. We'll get that six month free cleaning again. No problem. So it's costing more in the long run, not only because we're going to have to keep replacing it, but it's also we're not getting the tools we need to protect the investment. So what I'm saying for dentists and and this is my specialty. I work with dentists and their teams to help their patients get healthy, which, as you and I discussed, translates to a healthier bottom line because so many of our patients have disease. But what we do is we go p- buy that piece of furniture that is worth more, that is going to be more special to our home. We bring it home and we say, okay, kids, this is our lovely chair. Let's be kind and care for it. And so now not only do we not have to replace the chair, but it is beautiful and lovely for 10, 20 times the amount of time that that Walmart chair survived for. And it is more cost effective for the dental professional to treat gum disease early because if you can motivate your patient to do what they need to do at home and at the office, then we're looking at all of the total body health effects that they don't have to pay for healthcare moving forward, right? Like they know the steps to mitigate inflammation. And so they're healthier long-term. So not only do they end up spending less long-term in the dental chair, but they spend less long-term in the physician's office as well. How beautiful is that? So let's talk about, so you've described the problem really well. And, and, and I think what you said earlier, that there's a lack of um, dental health intelligence. I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way. But most people, I mean, like you've got WebMD, you can look up any disease you want. Everyone knows, everyone knows something about cancer because people know people will die from cancer. You know, we all go to doctors for different things, but you don't really see there's no WebMD for dentistry, at least not to my knowledge. If there is, it's not well known. So I, there does seem to be a, amount, a, a, a fair amount of ignorance in the dental health world. Um, so you've properly communicated the problem. Now talk about what you do when a dentist hires you. What do you do when you go into a practice and talk about the results? First off, what do you do? Okay. Well, there are three main things that my program does, and I'll just very quickly give you the overview. So I help improve teamwork by getting everyone working together for one voice, one message, one treatment plan protocol that everybody feels good, but they are on the same page, diagnosing and communicating treatment to the patients. And then I teach a proven method to like five times your hygiene profitability by billing better and coding correctly. There are many times that we are coding for a preventive cleaning when we've actually done a treatment, non-surgical periodontal therapy. So that right there is huge. We're going to come right back to that. So stop right there. Stop right there. Give me, let's, let's share numbers with people. So like give some real numbers from a a practice that you've 
you've you've done with so they can so they can get a feel for this like uh, so they don't feel like it's kind of all theoretical it's like no that's fifty thousand dollars on my bottom line yeah so typically easily with a one doctor two hygienist practice depending on where they're at in the continuum they say between a hundred and hundred fifty thousand dollars in adjusted income so after the insurance yeah, let's rewind that real quick because you said it very nonchalantly. So a one doctor, two hygienist practice, which a majority of are larger than that. Right. And you're saying you're adding 150K to their bottom line in a year? Yeah. Okay. So I'd so be calling you right away. I'd be calling you right now. I'd be like, what's the latest number? How do I get to the end of the podcast? All right. So, so, so that's say that a little more enthusiastically. <laughs> well, but it's like, okay, so this is real money. And, you know, you're, you're not fabricating a problem. This is a real problem that is underdiagnosed. So you're telling me they'll save a hundred or not save. They're at $150,000 to their bottom line, just on coding things the right way and recognizing what it is and billing the right way. But then what else, what else is involved in this? So what I do is I teach a proven method to easily five times your profitability in your hygiene department by billing better and coding correctly. Now to break down the numbers, if a one doctor, two hygienist team adds just one hygiene service per day in a typical month, after insurance adjustments, they see $78,000 of profit increased just by adding one thing a day. Now, you and I talked about the level of disease in the population. So that's literally them dipping the toe in. Typically, what I see in the first year of people working with me after we've done this program is between one hundred and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars increased in profit. So that's I'm not saying, OK, we're going to make your hygiene program perfect. But we start that journey to helping the patients get healthier, which financially just who doesn't want to take better care of their patients and have an extra 150K coming through the practice. And that's on a one doctor, two hygienist practice. So Mm -hmm. if it's a, you know, that's very small. Most, most practices are bigger. So, I mean, that's an absolute home run right there. All right. So, yeah. So think of it this way too. Like m- across the country, a scaling, a quadratic scaling group planning is roughly $250. So every single patient that has gum disease that you help essentially is a thousand dollars in production. Now I, when I'm figuring numbers, I always want to wipe off the first third because maybe they accept insurance. Maybe they have a cash pay discount. Maybe some of the patients don't pay, right? Like we have to account for the fact that it's not all blue skies and it'll be this much. Like, no, what do the real numbers look like? So take off the first third. And if you help even 200 patients in your practice, you know, there's your 150 right, right there just with, and most patients or excuse me, most practices, a one doctor, healthy, two hygienist practices, 25, 2000 to 2,500 patients. I'm only asking for in that case, 10% of your adult population to take care of this way. I'm not even saying get up to the 50 or 75. Obviously, the higher we can get, the better we're taking care of our patients. But I'm I'm just saying, let's just let's just try it out. And these numbers are coming back. 
but what's, so well. But what's really cool about this is this is a win-win. The patient is getting healthier. They're getting better care. And the practice is growing in profit. Right, which allows the professional to also give back in other ways. A lot of people say to me, Brandy, my patients don't have the money for that. And I'm like, well, did you diagnose their pocketbook or did you give them the tools? And the answer is the former, right? But let's say that you're this thriving practice where you're giving your patients the best care possible. And I'm a very conservative provider. Like I, I definitely am not selling and nickeling and diming. But if we give them the treatment that they truly need and the profitability is there, when someone comes in that you know needs that help, how easy is it to donate, you know, like take care of the population that is underserved for whatever reason or having a financial hard time? That's the beauty of having a profitable dental practice is it puts you in a place to be able to bless the community around you including your very own patients that you know could use a leg up. Guess what? You've got what they need to be that leg up. Do you find anybody fights you on this? Is there, is there, is there a segment of the dental population who has a philosophical disagreement with this treatment plan? You know, I mean, obviously no one thing is for everyone, but what I find when people disagree with what I'm doing, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with my plan. It's that they don't believe in their own ability to achieve this, or they don't believe in their patient's ability to understand. And that's where I really shine as far as helping people make a change. A lot of times when we're talking finances, everyone's like case presentation, case presentation. Well, guess what? If you give the patients the tools that they need to decide for themselves, you never sell a treatment plan again. You offer the care that they're requesting. You get done with assessment and instead of saying, you need $1,000 in non-surgical periodontal therapy, your patient looks at you in the face and says, what are we going to do, Dr. and Ms. Hy- or Mr. Hygienist, whoever it is, right? The patient's like, what are we going to do? And so then the doctor and the hygienist say, we are going to, they lay out the treatment that they need. And by this time, when the patient is committed in this way, all of those like problems of can they afford it? Can we do it? Can we uh, have the time for this? Those problems that have been plaguing dentistry since before I was born melt away. And then we're truly team members that come together. The dentist, the hygienist, and the patient come together. They say, okay, what are we going to do? The doctor and the hygienist says, we're going to do this treatment in the office. And then at home, you're going to follow this regimen And then we'll see you back every three months to help you mitigate the effects of this disease. It's beautiful. All of those like, why wouldn't this work problems melt away, Ross. They just fix themselves because we're not battling with the patient whether or not they need this. The patient is saying, I see I have disease. What are we going to do about this? And so then we do something about it and everybody wins. The patient's healthier, even though they spend money on treatment now. They spend less on dental care in the long run. They spend less on health care in the long run. The practice is more profitable. And if the reality is, is nobody's going to work, no matter how much money we're making, if we don't feel like we're making a difference, the dental health care professionals are making a difference and excited to go to work. Wow. 
Wow. So you help kind of communicate the problem to the office. You help get the office all on the same page from a, hey, this is a problem. You guys need to kind of be on the same page and all be diagnosing it this way when you see it. The practice grows in profitability. The patients get healthier. That's amazing by itself, but I know you do more. What else do you do for these practices? Well, being a wife of a dentist, a HR manager, office manager, I, I'm a little bit jack. So if there's something else going on in the office that they would like a little bit of help with, I'm happy to fill in in that way. But my specialty really is getting everyone on the same page. And then we transfer this type of knowledge into the restorative side of things and the operative of the daily function of the practice with their teamwork and effective communication with the patients. Once those things are in place, a lot of the frustrations that come along with dentistry really just, like I said, they melt away, they disappear because if the team is functioning together, if the patients are getting healthier and the practice is really healthy, then we can just all high five each other and head home. And what else do you like to do? Are you a biker and a skier? Do you like to read, do yoga, whatever? Then the dentistry part of your life gets to be a fun and enjoyable compartment that supports the rest of your livelihood. That's really interesting. And I, I think it's important that, you know, people, I don't know if people caught this, but you, you're the wife of a dentist. So your, your husband has a very, very successful practice. And so you've kind of seen what works. You've seen what hasn't worked. You, you've been a hygienist. You've been in practices all over the country. So you've got the experience to, to really speak to a lot of the challenges. So let me ask you a couple questions kind of off topic in closing here. So there's a lot of, uh, obviously this is a podcast for, for dentists and, you know, there's a few probably a decent amount of, of dental school students who uh, are listening to this. What one piece of advice would you give to a fresh dental school grad? My one best piece of advice is to think about and write down what kind of clinician, what kind of healthcare provider you want to be. Why are you a dentist? Most people started out with the idea that they want to help people. They want to help people have better smiles. They want to help people with disease. They want to earn a good income while using this cool skill. And once you have that, why are you here? What are you doing? And who do you want to be? Then every plan that you make from that starting point is going to keep you on the journey to living your best dental career life. It's when we get, oh, I want to make money or, oh, I just want to clock in and clock out. When, when we get away from why we're doing what we're doing, that's when everything kind of falls apart. So if you can keep your core goal and your core reason for being here at the front of your mind, then you're going to be able to serve so many people, including yourself and your community, your family right around you, because you're going to be operating from this place of love and helping the people around you. So you and I talked a little bit offline about this topic, and I've had this uh, conversation with more people than I can count. There tends to be, in dentists who own their own practice, there tends to be 
really two extremes. You've got the person who makes a good income, not an extravagant income, but a good income, but they really just own a job. Now it's a heck of a job to own, but they really just own a job. Then you have the other side, which is someone who's a business owner who happens to be a dentist. Most of those people make seven figure incomes or more, you know, and then of course you got people mixed in between, but talk about that. You, you're the wife of a dentist. You're, you're in dental offices all over the country. You've seen this. We've talked about it. Speak to that for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it definitely circles around the idea of why you're doing what you're doing. So for example, I'll share with you, my husband wants to take really great care of patients and of his team. So at my office, it doesn't matter if you're a hygienist, a dentist, or a front office worker, if something needs to be done, we do it. You walk by, answer the phone, the dentist cleans the room. The, the teamwork is so solid that everyone knows that the entire team is supporting them. So guess how much more productive and fun that team is? Well, then we extrapolate that to who comes into the business. It's the patients and they see that not only are we taking good care of them, but we're taking good care of each other and that everyone is helping out. So when the patient comes in, they feel like they've gotten the best care ever and they refer all of their friends and family to come and see them, see us. So even though my I never said anything about a big healthy practice, that's what we have based on the core value is to take care of each other, take care of our patients, provide the best care possible, and make sure that everyone's having a little bit of fun while we're at it. And the result is this healthy, thriving, profitable practice. And I will share with you, my husband is ultra conservative to the point where even last month I was seeing a patient looking at the x-rays with him and he's like, oh yeah, let's treat that spot with floss and fluoride. And I'm kicking him under the chair saying, how about DO on Ford? Like this is time to time to do something about this feeling, this feeling, right? This, this patient definitely has crossed the DEJ. Anyway, so my point being that even in a very conservative practice, you can have a highly profitable. We don't spend the money on marketing or advertising because it's all word of mouth. And it didn't come from having the goal being money. It didn't come from the goal being clocking out as soon as possible and getting to the next stage of life. It came from why is he here? Why is he a dentist? Why am I a hygienist? Why, you know, why what, are we, what are we doing here? And you just watch the progression turn into this gorgeous result that is what people are hoping for. That's exciting. So last question here. I'm a big reader. Are you a reader? If you are, what are you reading now? And if what's the best book you've read recently? Oh, I love to read. Um, I usually am reading a couple of books at the same time. Right now, I'm reading a couple of books on World War II. One is called Beneath the Scarlet Sky. And that one is a biography about Pinalola, a guy in Italy. It's, fan, it's a fantastic book. I'm actually reading it with my um, older children. It's, I would highly recommend that. And then I, one of the most interesting books I've read lately is called Hate, Inc. by Matt Tyvee. Oh, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I've seen that one. Um, he's a, he used to be a Rolling Stone contributor. Yes. Uh, 
and he's he's pretty he doesn't hold back on what he thinks and he is pretty he'll call out uh either side left or right on on whatever he thinks is kind of bs and uh he, he doesn't pull punches at all no and it's refreshing because right now we're seeing a lot of people having a hard time that disagree with one another coming together. And he sheds a lot of light on why that's not healthy and how we can actually gain a lot from people that we disagree with, but we have to be able to be civil and sit at the same table and work on a solution. So that one was very interesting. I will. I do have to preface it with: if you are afraid of a little cursing, and by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> that's yeah, not the book for you. He's definitely uh, he's a little bit of a potty mouth. But you know, and here's the, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you can't be around someone you disagree with, um, you know, it used to be you were friends with people who saw the world differently than you are. Now you're 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 almost considered not a human being if you view the world uh different than someone today it's it's the the dehumanization of things has has caused a lot of challenges which is one reason why i hate social media uh i think it's a spawn of satan but that's my own opinion (laughs) (laughs) so so anyway well this is uh this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation brandy uh you know what movie was it uh you had me at hello uh, um, I'm like, you had me at $150,000 of profit yeah. out of the bottom line. And so if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? If they want to get in touch with me, my website is brandyhookerevans.com. That one's easy because it's just my name on but social hold on. media. It's B-R-A-N-D-I. Yes. B-R-A-N-D-I hooker prostitute with an H and then <laughs> Evans, E-V-A-N-S, super easy. That one is, like I said, just my name. Social media is at Stellar Outcomes. And then, honestly, my email and contact is on both of those places. If you have a question or want to talk about how this could look in your office, I am excited to be a resource with no pressure. I offer a free team training meeting. It's called Just for the Health of It, where we get the whole team together and figure out what it would look like to be on the same page and celebrate the wins that are happening right now. In closing, I do want to give one like takeaway for how to put what we talked in. I mean, I, I do talk a lot of theory, but how do how do you put this into practice? Let's say you're a dentist right now. When you have a patient in your chair, and you see bleeding on the periodontal chart and bone loss corresponding with those bleeding points, think of using the code 4341 if there's four or more teeth in the quadrant or 4342 if there are three or less teeth that have both bleeding and bone loss. Okay, so what we're doing is instead of calling everything a prophy, go ahead and diagnose that disease let your patient know what's happening. And then if you use those codes, those are the treatment codes, and you will start to see not only your production go up, but you will also start to see your patients getting on board with you that there is disease present and that you and them together can do something about it. That's a good tip right there. 
that's a really good tip right there. So Brandy, like I said before, this has been a really fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you coming on today. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really, I love this side of dentistry, surprisingly. (laughs) So great. So thanks again. And you guys have been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. And we'll talk to you guys next week. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021-119535. Expiration, April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311-850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC, financial representative of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2021-128778. Expiration 1023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.